One of the greatest joys of my life is to sing, worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, just as we just did. It's beautiful to gather as the Church of Jesus Christ to glorify one name. Not my name, not your name, but the name of Jesus Christ. Now I say all that to say, why should it stop? Let me explain. Jesus, right before he went to to heaven's glory to prepare a place for us and then to return one day, he said this in Acts 1.8, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you, what's the next two words? Will be. Will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Jesus, Mary, and the ends of the earth. Now, I can be honest with you. Um, I enjoy the end of the earth. We just came back from Honduras. Incredible trip. God moved. Many hundreds of uh, potential salvations. It was, it was just great. And on the flight back, I'm just like, yeah. We just, we just made some ground for the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit laid on my heart. It's like, yeah, good job. You got one of the four. But what about Jerusalem? What about Judea? What about Samaria? I'm like, yeah, God, that's for the Americans. Us as foreign missionaries, we're for the ends of the earth. And Holy Spirit's like, I mentioned four. And the word will be was emphatically in there. So here's my encouragement to me and to all of us. It's simply this. As we look into being the church, not just doing church, what would it look like? Work with me. What would it look like if each and every one of you who truly believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and you truly believe that he rose from the dead, and you truly believe that he's coming back, and he left us to prepare the way for his return as his witness? What if we actually believe that? And live that out. Because it's here in a safe place we can say, um, Jesus is greater, Jesus is awesome, Jesus is great, and sing our kumbaya loud songs and don't ever stop. But that message needs to go. The message needs to continue. And today I'm going to share with you a story. I'm also going to dissect this passage. Because I, I really believe that if you and I would surrender our life, being filled with the Spirit, and go... Our little church, called Catalyst Church, could truly make a difference, not only in Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and where? To the ends of the earth. And that does include Evansville, Indiana. Do you believe that this is something that God has commissioned us as Christ followers to do, yes or no? Well, that was very weak, so let me try that again. Is this something that you and I have been commissioned to do by God Almighty, um, yes or no? Okay, so again, easier said, easier done in here, harder to do out there, but how? So I'm going to pray, and we are going to answer, at, pose this question. Why are we neglecting the obvious teaching of being the witnesses of Jesus Christ locally and around the world? That's, that's my ask, and I'm asking myself that too. Um, let's just see what God is up to. So God, preach to our hearts. 
and send us out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth as common, normal people with normal jobs, past experiences, past hurts, past church hurt, past people hurt. May we just know the simple truth that, God, you love us, our sins separate us from your love, but your amazing grace allows us to be set free from the bonds of sin and death by your death, burial, and resurrection. And in this, commission us to be obedient to you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? All right, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Why not go locally and around the world? For the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about this today. Um, really, the three weeks, um, we'll be talking about this. So please make sure that you're here and you're paying very close attention. Acts, Acts 1. We're going to start in verse 6. It's on page 530 in your blue Bibles. And by the way, if you do not have a Bible of your own, that, bli- bi- that blue Bible is yours to keep. So take that with you and let that be yours, but bring it back every week. Um, So on page 530, and this is what it starts in verse 6. It says this in verse 6. So when they had come together, so when they had come together, they asked the Lord. So pause. So when was this? So Jesus had just died. He resurrected. He did the whole ghost cool thing where he just showed up and said, Thomas, do you doubt anymore? Here's my hands. Here's my feet. And then he just disappears. He did that quite a bit. And then ultimately the road to Emmaus, he was blind. They They could not see him, Um, and then he talked the truth. They could see him, and then this was one of these right at the very last moment where Jesus was about to superman himself up to heaven uh, to prepare a place for us then to come back. This is So right before he's about to leave earth, it says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time, will you at what time? This time, restore the kingdom um, to Israel. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Lord had fixed by his authority. I mean, if you think about this, we can go to verse Acts 1-8. If you've been churching your entire life, you've heard Acts 1-8. But we have to look in context. Jesus was responding to a question with a commission, with a challenge for, for them. But their question was, Are you going to make things right now? Let me pause. These disciples had followed Jesus for a very long time, heard about the kingdom of God, heard that he was going to prepare a place for them, and they were still ignorant to the purpose of his his life. His life was simply this, to come to this earth, to live as you and I did, without sin, was tempted like you and I did, goes to the cross of the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins, so that after his resurrection, he's going to come back and make things right, and then you and I are left here on purpose and mission for him. That, that's it. They were like, now, okay, Jesus, you just rose from the dead. I know that was awesome and great, but when are we going to rule together over Israel and make things right? They still didn't get it. And Jesus' response wasn't, yeah, in 365 days, I'll, I'll be, I'm going to restore my kingdom. He didn't even say, now this is how the um, exact things are going to work in time and place. He simply said this, it's not your job to know 
when. So I want you to look at me, please. Catalyst Church, it's not your job to know when he will return. Okay? We can look at the seasons and we can be like, he's coming sooner today than he was when? Yesterday. It looks like that and he's coming soon. So prepare for this. Jesus' response was simply, don't worry, but go. Don't worry, I've got this, but go. And then he's like, but you'll receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So this commission kind of goes to us too. Catalyst Church, stop worrying about when Jesus Christ is coming back. Is he coming back? Yes, he's coming back. Are you being a faithful servant to him, preparing the way for his um, return, or are you sitting on your booty and not doing anything? You got your ticket to heaven through God's grace, but you haven't been doing anything? Let today be the commission and the challenge to be the witnesses that he's been called us to be. So you might say, what is a witness? A witness is simply a person or a people who have seen or experienced something and they're telling, uh, telling somebody about it. So what did the early church experience? They experienced Jesus' death, burial, and what? Resurrection. So they experienced Jesus' resurrection. And this is where we can be confident that the resurrection is true is because hundreds of people saw the resurrected Jesus, and he's like, be witnesses to the share that I came back from the dead, and I have a purpose, and I'm coming back. A witness is vitally important. For example, I witnessed something spectacular when I was younger and more handsome, and it was Machu Picchu. I experienced Machu Picchu, one of the seven wonders of the world. And don't you love my hat? I mean, I was styling, more importantly, uh, my glasses. I looked like a creep, but that's, that's what it is. Okay. So I visited Machu Picchu. Um, we traveled up the hill, saw a lot of llamas, alpacas, whatever, and it was absolutely gorgeous. I, I mean, literally one of the seven wonders of the world. I had a chance to experience, see, walk, touch, feel. And here I am today as a witness that Machu Picchu is a real place. Machu Picchu is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Machu Picchu is fantastic. You should go to Machu Picchu. It's worth everything to go see one of the seven wonders of the world. Watch this. What did I just do? I just said, I've been there, done that, and so should you. That's what the disciples, the apostles, were called to do. I experienced Jesus. I met him. I know him. And so should what? So should you. And that's what this is saying here. Just like, be the witnesses. If you've experienced Jesus Christ, and he has saved your soul, and he, you really have placed your faith and trust in him, go tell people how phenomenal he is and the grace that he offers to all humanity to be forgiven of your sins, to have a relationship with God. Isn't that just greater than Machu Picchu? Yes. Okay, three of you. The answer is yes. All right, Jesus is greater than Machu Picchu, right? Okay, so why don't we go tell people about the wonder of the world? The wonder of the world. Well, because maybe we don't 
know who the Holy Spirit is that empowers us. The Holy Spirit is, so you will receive power when the who? Holy Spirit comes on you, and the Holy Spirit comes on a person at the day of salvation. You might not be filled with the Spirit. You have received the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit is when you relinquish yourself and say, Holy Spirit, use me in whatever capacity that you want to. Empower me to be your witnesses wherever it might be. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity who lives in repent, true repentant believers of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in order to empower them to be Jesus's what? Witnesses of God's amazing love. So the question is where? So it says, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. You have tasted and seen the Lord is good and now you want to go tell everybody about his amazing goodness. All right, but where? Drew, Drew, the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world, ends of the earth. Now, in the early church, the, the apostles knew exactly what this meant. They knew where Jerusalem was. That's their hometown. That's, Jerusalem would be their familiar and comfortable places. All right, same thing for us. That's, Jerusalem would be for us our familiar places. How many guys could basically go to the same grocery store every time you go to the grocery? Raise your hand. All right, so, okay, there you go. That's a familiar place. You might recognize the clerks. You might recognize the, the parking attendants or whatever you, whatever you go. Um, you, the familiar people would be like your friends and your family, church people, people that you see regular, people at work. That would be your familiar places. So we are called to be Holy Spirit-powered, Witnesses of the magnificence of who Jesus is at work with our family, at Walmart or wherever you shop that's familiar to you. Judea, that they would be familiar with, was kind of like the regions that they traveled sometimes. They normally stayed in Jerusalem. You see the rest of um, Acts, God had to bring persecution because he said, I said to go and you're in your little holy Jesus church huddle um, in Jerusalem. And he's like, okay, you're being disobedient. I'm going to kick you to Judea, Samaria, and where? To the ends of the earth. All right, so Judea would be the kind of like the uncomfortable people and places. You walk into a restaurant, um, you just don't know the people there. That's there. You walk into a new job or you're on vacation or you go, you travel to as far as Boonville. I know that's a long drive, all right? So people in Boonville, it's an interesting area, or those of you who are in Newburgh too, all right? All right? Wherever is abnormal for you to go would be Judea, all right? So if you take a trip to Indy, you go to whatever. So are you still on mission on vacation? Let me say that again. Are you still on mission on vacation? Yes. All the time. So you and I need to know where these unfamiliar places might be and stay on mission. Then Samaria. I want to spend just a few extra minutes on Samaria. Samaria would be familiar, but also unfamiliar enemies. So in the early church, the Samaritans were second-class citizens to the Jews. They were outcasts, they were dirty, unholy sinners. Um, basically, I would fit right perfectly into Samaria. Um, and this is what 
in John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, The Samaritan woman said to him, so here's Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman, and he's like, hey, could, could I have a, a glass of water? And the disciples were all gone. First off, he was talking to a woman, which is like, oh, big bad thing. And then the second thing, a Samaritan woman, which is like, you don't do that. And the Samaritan woman said like, you know I'm a Samaritan and I'm a woman. Why are you talking to me? And this is, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a, for a drink? How could you humble yourself enough to have a conversation with me? For Jews did not associate with who? Samaritans. So in this, I want to encourage you with this. You know that person that has hurt you? You know that person that you need to forgive? You know that person in a familiar place that has just like destroyed you and potentially your reputation? What you would classify as a person who would be an enemy. If you're a pastor of a church, you've got lots of enemies. People that blast you on Facebook um, and put you out on, on social media as just a terrible person, whatever. What is my job to do? I need to witness the resurrection of God's goodness to them. Same thing to you, to the people who have hurt you that's familiar and unfamiliar. You know that person that might be cussing you out in the Walmart parking lot because that's mainly where it happens? That person, even in a familiar place, might be your enemy for a season, but listen, they need Jesus. The people that have hurt you in childhood, your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, they need Jesus. And we get to be the witnesses of the powerful resurrection that changed our life to them also. And then to the end of the earth, I commission you, challenge you, Every one of you, be back here next Sunday, and we are going to be looking deep into the ends of, of the earth. But let me summarize this Acts 1-8 a little bit so that we can kind of put into our words. It says, Jesus' commission is for his witnesses, empowered by who? Empowered by who? Empowered by who? Okay will take his gospel, his good news, to people that are familiar and comfortable and expand even to the unfamiliar and uncomfortable that will lead to the ends of where? The earth. Now, we know the Great Commission, hopefully, and it says Jesus came and said, all authority has been given unto me on heaven and on earth. Go, while you're going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, as my witnesses, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, including Evansville and Boonville, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, observe everything he has commanded us. And behold, I'll, with you, I'll be with you to the ends of the age. So the question is, why are we neglecting the obvious teaching of being the witnesses of Jesus Christ? Because I think we're very much like the apostles. Um, who is standing on this mountain, sees Jesus supermaned up into heaven, and this is what it says in verse 9. So right after verse 8, to so get the picture, the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, are you going to make things right now? And Jesus is like, just stop worrying about the now, 
but go, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And then Jesus supermans himself up into heaven, miraculous sight. I would be watching too, kind of like I've seen the space shuttle go up. It's just like this fantastic thing. You keep watching, keep watching, keep watching. That's what the disciples did. They watched, watched, watched. And then it says, verse 9, so right after verse 8, verse 9, and when he had said these things, they, they were looking on, and he was lifted up, and the clouds took him out of the sight. And while they were gazing up in heaven, behold, two men, angels, stood with him in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? The same Jesus that was taken up into heaven will come in the same way um, and that you saw him go into heaven. We do this. We're like, when is Jesus coming back? Man, God's amazing grace is so awesome. Sing Kumbaya songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the Holy Spirit's like, go. Go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, the ends of the earth. I think the reason why we don't go is because we're standing still. And we think that we are not empowered because of our past, because of our current situation. And I'm just in, telling you right now, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Go, ladies and gentlemen. So for the remaining part of this sermon, I want to let you dive into a story. Turn to Acts chapter 4. Um, it's a few pages over in your blue Bible, or maybe the same page. And Acts chapter 4 is, I want you to listen to me. These apostles, these disciples, you're about to see, are normal people just like you and me, like fishermen. If you want to say they were contract workers or they were teachers, tax collectors, accountants. You get the idea. Just normal people, just like you and me. They weren't super Christians, but they were about to be super anointed, empowered people by the Holy Spirit of God. And so are you. So this in Acts chapter 4 is a really cool, real story. So Peter and John just were by the power of Jesus only was able to help this crippled man um, get, his, get, his, get his walk on again, all right? And then this crippled man gets, everybody's like, wow, he's walking. This is the same guy. This is the same guy. And then Peter and John and some of the disciples got in trouble because they did a God thing. Um, and then the, these religious people, can I get a boo for religion? Ooh, okay. Can I get an amen for the relationship? Amen. Okay, so these religious people were stuck in legalism, turned into and say, we have a relationship with Jesus now. God did something cool. All right, so Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read 1 through 12, talk about it, and then break this down. I want you to catch, listen to me, please. Please listen to me. This, these people are people just like you and me. Got it? So when you see this, don't say, oh, it's at the St. Peter. He was a schmuck. Look, look, at P, look at Jesus. He's like, get behind me, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. This is, this is the one that denied Jesus three times. All right? Maybe you and me. All right, all right, all right here we go. Acts chapter 4. 
And as they were speaking to the people, and the priest and the captain of the temple um, and the sad, and, and of the Sanhedrin came upon them greatly what? Annoyed. May it be the case, Catalyst Church, that you greatly annoy people with the gospel of Jesus Christ with love and grace. All right? Because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. I would love to get an email from people that don't love Jesus um, about that you are proclaiming annoyingly in love. Don't be like Bible bashing or whatever. That I get emails. You know your callous church people, they're, they're proclaiming Jesus too much. I'm like, delete. Okay, all right. All right. And they, were, they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word of Jesus Christ believed, and the number of the men, this is just the men, were 5,000, so some people would even say that's 10,000 people believed in Jesus Christ. Why? Because they were proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus as witnesses empowered by the Holy Spirit, and so can you, and so could I. And the next day, the rulers of the elders, um, the scribes, they gathered together in Jerusalem. They were about to witness something themselves with Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, the and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. In other words, all the religious bigwigs type of thing. And when they set when they set them in the midst, they inquired by what power or by what name did you do this so helping this cripple man and peter filled with pride and arrogance because he had an audience with these powerful people is that what it said no but peter filled with the holy spirit you know by the way look at me the same holy spirit that lives in you got the idea the same holy spirit that lives in you said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if, you are, if we are being examined today concerning the good deeds done to this crippled man, by what means this, this man was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you what? Crucified. Talk about boldness. You killed Jesus. The guy who, the, the God who ended up allowing us to do this. Whom God raised from the dead. You killed him, but God. Got it? Watch this. You were once dead in your sins and trespasses of our sin. But God so loved you. By him, this man is standing here well. This Jesus is the stone that, that was rejected by you, that the builders, which has become the, the cornerstone. And there is, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be what? Saved. Ladies and gentlemen, he knew the gospel. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, boldly proclaimed the gospel. So how can we apply this to our everyday lives as empowered 
witnesses who are called to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, it's simple this. You need to know and are be able to articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ and know that you're empowered as his witnesses to the whole world. So this is the first thing you must understand. We must know and be able to articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, do you know what the gospel is? Maybe today you're like, well, I've heard what the gospel is. So I'm going to, I'm going to share with you, here, here's the gospel. I'm going to give you a detailed description, a simplified description, and then an outline. No matter what, it's all the same. So I want you to listen to me. Please listen to me. In order for you to be witnesses of the gospel, you must be able to know the gospel and to be able to articulate the gospel. Got it? All right, so here's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply explained as this. All humanity is loved by our creator God, but all humanity are sinners. And our sins separate us from, from the holy, of God's holy love, resulting in the penalty of our sin is what? Death. The wage of our sin is death. But God demonstrates his love for us by sending Jesus to die and to save us from the penalty of sin and death, giving us new life through Jesus' resurrection from the dead. This gift is made available to all of those who repent and believe, repent from their sins against the Holy God and believe on faith in God's gift of grace in Jesus Christ. Now, that's the detailed explanation of the gospel. Let me simplify it for you. If you're like, just, just give me a tweetable statement, all right? This is it. God's redemption plan for sinners, for sinful people, to be reconciled back into a personal relationship to him through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So I'm going to read that again. God's redemption what? Plan. He had a plan. God had a plan all along for sinful people like you and I to be reconciled back into a personal relationship not a what not a religion to personal relationship not a religion through Jesus Christ's death burial and resurrection so if you if you like taking notes here's a simple outline god loves his creation but there's a problem so god loves his creation but there's a problem what's the problem sin Sin separates us from God's love. But there is a solution. Who is the solution? Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the only Savior for our sins. So there's a response to this. As sinful people, there's a response to this Savior, and that is this. Repent from your sins and believe with faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So that's the gospel that clearly... Um, Peter and John were proclaiming very simply that there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. There's no other salvation. And then the story continues. Verse 13. Now when they, the religious people, saw the what of Peter and John? When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated. Can you raise your hand if you're uneducated? Raise your hand. All right. You, me, uneducated common men. All right. Raise your hand if you just say you're just like a normal person. Raise your hand. That's us. Okay. Just like Peter and John. 
And they were astonished that, and they recognized that they had been with who? Jesus. Normal people like you and I, empowered by the Spirit, who just was abiding with Jesus. And that's, that's the next thing. Know the gospel, but then abide with Jesus. Abide, believe, and just live like Jesus. So let me ask you, just, I mean, really think about this. If I went to your workplace, and I just asked all the employees, like, who looks like the Jesus you think Jesus should look like? Because everybody, even agnostics and atheists, they all know who Jesus should be like, loving, caring, compassionate, forgiving people. Would your name be brought up? Would they recognize you and I as common people that they look like and have been with Jesus? Now the question is, how can we be with Jesus? It's a word abide. Just remain connected to him. John 15 says this, Abide in me and I in you. As, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides, remains connected to the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are my branches, witnesses. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, in it, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So I say this all the time, I've got to move on, is simply this. Are you in the word of God? Are you praying? Are you growing in your relationship with him? If you are, that's a part of abiding in a personal relationship with him. If you're not, you're weak, and your witness will be weak. Associating with abiding, being connected to Jesus, memorizing Bible verses, praying not just for yourself, but for what other people need you to be praying for um, is vitally important. The story continues. In verse 14 through 20, it says this. For seeing the men who had healed them standing right there, there's evidence of this witness right there. They had nothing to say in opposition. Verse 15. But when they had commanded them they let they, to leave the council, they conferred among each other saying, what should we do with these men? Look at me. How awesome would it be that people around you at Walmart, at work, Samaria, the ends of the earth type of thing. Like, what should we do with these loving Christians that point to this Jesus person? How awesome would it be if they had to have a board meeting and say, what do we do with these loving Christians? They're loving too much. They're proclaiming this name Jesus too much. And Jesus' name is offensive in our culture. What should we do with them? Oh, if I get those emails, praise the Lord delete okay and then it continues i just got on a what verse am i on 15 thank you but when they had commanded what should we do with them for that uh, that they saw this noble sign that was performed as evidence in the inhabitants of jerusalem we cannot deny it but in order that that um, in order that they might not spread to other people, let us warn them, let us warn them not to speak of, of this name to anyone. Verse 18, so they called them and charged them, religion charging Christ followers, all right, and not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. They had a choice whether to be a God pleaser or a people pleaser right there. And this is what their response. Whether it is right 
in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of the things that we have seen or heard, a.k.a. what we have witnessed. And when they had further threats, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because the people were praising God for what had happened. For these men who um, of the signs were healed um, and he had been had this ailment for about 40 years. So listen, we need to know the gospel. So how do we be the witnesses in Jerusalem, Jesus, Samaria, and the ends of the Know the gospel. Know the gospel, know the gospel. Know, forget everything else I'm about to say. If you don't know the gospel, know the gospel so that when you have the opportunity to boldly proclaim it, you can share it. All right? Know the gospel. Number two is we need to make sure that we in every aspect of our life are just like Peter and them, that they are able in every capacity with boldness to proclaim this beautiful gospel to the ends of the earth, empowered. But ultimately, it says, be a God-pleaser, not a people pleaser. I think if you do this and you stop being worried about people, in three weeks we're going to be talking in depth about this people pleasing, but it's simply this. You need to know your testimony. All they're like, we cannot stop thinking and proclaiming this God that we know. So on your way out, we're going to give you this card. It's on this table right here. It's called My Testimony, and it's simply this. One little card that you can work on how to share your testimony. I commission you, don't take it if you're just going to throw it away, all right? Take it if you're going to work on this. And from this, ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you to be like, I want to share my testimony of God's goodness to everyone. Why? Because your testimony proclaims the resurrection of your life from your death into a new life. And then the last one is this. Pray. For strength. Pray for strength, for continual boldness, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be and to go as the witnesses that Jesus called us to be to the whole world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, as his faithful, as faithful servants. Acts chapter 4. So Peter and John were released. They went and they gathered as the church, and they were all praising God. And in the middle of their, if you want to call it, worship service of praising God for persecution, they ended with this prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak the word with what? boldness I've been the pastor of this church for like 13 years however long been a pastor for almost 20 plus years period I want you to know with all my heart that I believe that God can do great things in people just like you and me, common people. You don't have to be a pastor, a small group leader. You don't have to be an elder. You don't even need to know much about the Bible to know that once you were lost and Jesus found you. Once you're dead in your sins, but Jesus resurrected your life to walk in newness of life.
Please listen to me. What if you and I would just start every day to say, Holy Spirit, I believe you live in me through Jesus' gift of salvation. Holy Spirit, give me as your servant boldness to be witnesses, to be your witness of the life that you've given me and the life that you offer me through Jesus Christ. Let me go and be obedient to you, proclaiming your truth. And we pray this over and over and over again. Listen, the rest of this passage talked about when they prayed for boldness, the whole room shook. Why? The earth did not shake when they were in the council, even though it says that they were gathered together. Why? Because there was evil religion in the room. But what if, ladies and gentlemen, we would all, with all of our hearts, pray for boldness and say, Father, allow us to be bold servants of your gospel, proclaiming it, and not be people pleaser, but God pleasers. I almost guarantee you, Evansville would shake. Maybe not literally, but maybe it will shake. And hopefully literally, why? Then we can see what God's going to do. I think you and I need to be shaken up against our selfishness. Let it be the case that you and I were not like the disciples, standing and waiting for Jesus' return, but were going as his faithful witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Why? Because there is one gospel on which we stand for all eternity. It is my story, my father's plan. The son has rescued me. Oh, what a gospel! Oh, what a peace. My highest joy and my deepest need. Now and forever, he is my light. I stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when in glory, still I will sing of this old story that rescued me. Praise to my Savior, the King of life. I stand in the gospel of who? Jesus Christ. Father God, this is my prayer. This is our song. This is what you have commissioned us to do and to be. So Holy Spirit, I'm praying over us right now with boldness to proclaim your beautiful gospel on which we stand. Lord, if there's anybody here that does not know you personally, they might know you of religion, they might know you of, of their past, but they don't personally know you, may today be the day of the salvation. May they believe in the gospel that they are sinners in needing of a Savior. That when the, if they repent from their sins, you are faithful and just to forgive them of their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness to all who would believe in you, Jesus.
Lead these to repentance. Right now, I pray. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, how many of you right now would like to say yes to receive the gospel of God's grace to you right now by repenting of your sins, having faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and believing that he came, died, and rose again, and you today would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, pop up your hand and put it right back down. Fantastic many people. A prayer does not save you, ladies and gentlemen. It is your heart's surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because if we, you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. So if you're here and you raise your hand or maybe didn't raise your hand and you'd like to say, yes, I want to place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Pray a prayer like this in your heart. Again, the prayer does not save you. Say, dear God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I repent and turn from my sins. But I believe that you came, you died to forgive me of my sins through your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Help me now to be a witness of the life change that you have given me. Father God, to those who truly prayed and believed, may you convict their heart of these truths. I pray that they'll reach out to us, letting us know about the salvation that you have offered them. Lord Jesus, as we end proclaiming that there is one gospel in which we stand, may we boldly sing this together and Holy Spirit, shake this room with bold proclamation of your gospel and keep shaking our hearts as we leave here, filled with your spirit, empowered as your witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that there is one gospel of Jesus Christ on which we stand. I pray all this.